Welcome to the Tech Sales Show, dedicated to making you a better seller. Recorded 4,827 miles across the Atlantic Ocean with Bobby Das from Houston, Texas, a father, husband, golfer, pilot, and tech seller. And Brian Evans, an expat in London, England, family man, 2X Ironman, and an ERP salesman. Both sharing tried and true sales strategies and providing free tools to make each week and campaign easier for you. They also answer your questions weekly. Now, here is Bobby and Brian. Hey, hey, Bobby. What's up, Brian? We've got a great two-part listener's choice for everyone. We've been teasing this for a few weeks now. Uh, this is Bobby is all about interview best practices. But really, we're going to hit this from two angles. We're going to hit it from, one, how to get the interview at your dream job. So whatever place you're, you know, kind of got on your roadmap from a career perspective, how do you start uh, working to get an interview out at that spot today? What things can you start doing tactically to get ready for that today? And then second, this will be next week's episode, will be how to nail that interview at your dream job. Perfect. I, uh, I've always, I've had a few dream jobs and I've uh, done a lot with you in preparation for those dream jobs. I can't wait for the discussion to take place over the next couple of weeks and then uh, hear the feedback from our listeners on how much it helped and what they're doing to plan for those dream job interviews. No doubt, no doubt. So let's jump right into it. Um, so today's is all about how to get the interview at your dream job. Uh, we're going to cover this uh, from three different perspectives. Um, one is getting in without a direct referral, because really there's no other way. Uh, it's 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 really uh, there are so many applicants going after these jobs that uh, you need some sort of connection in there. So we're going to talk about that a bit. Uh, the second piece we're going to talk about is showcasing a really strong brand. What things you need to start doing again today to ensure that your brand is strong for that interview, whether that interview is in uh, two weeks or two months. Uh, there are things you can start doing now. And then finally, we're going to talk about priming the pump. Um, this is something that for me, certainly early in my career, even midway in my career, was really important to me. Um, I wasn't in the position even midway in my career that if I couldn't have too long of a gap. Uh, so we're going to talk about some things that you can start doing to get um, to have something ready to go uh, in case you need it at some point. All key things that everyone should be thinking about while they prepare for that first interview with a with a potential job that could be worth millions of dollars. I think sometimes we don't put that perspective wrapped around it, but. I, I know we both think about it. If I'm going to interview for a job, it's going to be a million-dollar meeting. Maybe that's over five years or ten years, but it, it's worth a lot of money, and I'm going to do the prep work as if it's worth a million dollars. Yeah, I mean, let's let's start there. What, Bobby, how much time and effort would you put in for a million dollars? Let's make it $2 million. How much time and effort would you put in for that? Well, Brian, you know me, that's like 30 minutes worth of effort, you know, on the grand scheme of things. But no, joking, all joking aside, this is something that I would spend weeks and days throughout those weeks on this job interview. Um, people might think that sounds crazy, but it's a journey. Uh, this isn't something where John, John, or sorry, God, I guess it's John Doe would call me and say, hey, you want a job? And me say, yeah, let's meet for coffee. Um, but I, I would spend months, days in those months to get ready. But what I feel like people do with me when I go to interview them is they go meet for coffee. They don't spend that time of effort on it. No doubt. Um, so we're not going to spend a ton of time on this next section. 
but it's it's important. I think it's probably worth its own listener's choice um, episode or maybe even a series about professional networking. It goes without saying that you've got to use your professional network here. I think a great example of this um, is Jeremy Epstein. We had him on uh, as an interview, what, about two months ago? One of our top interviews, one of the most listened to podcasts that we've had. If you've not heard that episode, you should go back and listen to it. Bobby, one of the things he mentions in that episode is that, um, or one of the things you brought up to him is that he called you on your birthday and has how has for how many years now? Probably somewhere in the range of eight to ten. And I, you know, my birthday just passed last month, and sure as sure as it could be, he called me, and we got to catch up again. Yeah. So if he was looking for a job, not that he would be, he's got his own business going, and it's it's going really well. But, you know, eight years ago, he wasn't running his own company. But I, a guy like that will never struggle finding a job uh, because he is top of mind for so many people. He's been so deliberate in building that network that if he needs to cash in on that, it's going to pay off for him. If he needs a connection, Bobby, if he, if he reached out to you in two weeks, certainly, um, you know, he's built some equity with us because he's done a, an interview with us. But even if he hadn't, if he reached out to you in a couple weeks after talking to you on your birthday, I'm sure you'd be quick to turn around and, and give him a connection on LinkedIn. There's no doubt. Uh, connection, referral, everyone's looking for a great rep or marketer. And I could definitely connect him with a few interviews in no time flat and would be willing to do so based on the work I saw him do at Microsoft, the things and success I know he's produced over the last few years. And just the fact that I know a guy like that's not going to let my brand down. And that might be a key takeaway is make sure you have a dozen or more people that know your brand and know you won't let them down. Uh, That's where those referrals and those relationships come from. Yeah, that may be the biggest takeaway from this entire first section is um, it it is uh, building a network of people that trust you and and because it, it is it's your your referral is worth a lot. Uh, we we both have had people reach out to us. Everyone has had this, I'm sure, to where they've had people reach out to them that are seeking a new job, want a connection into your company, and you think, man, I remember working with you and you weren't that great to work with. Uh, you took a lot more than you gave, um, and we've been reluctant, uh, if we do it at all, to uh, get them into that company. Uh, so that's that's something definitely to start thinking about and working on. Um, is It's worth on LinkedIn. You can post uh, recommendations for people on LinkedIn. Do one a week. Do one a month. Uh, but start, start doing that. Start building up some credibility that way. Uh, follow up with people. If you had an interesting conversation with someone... Um, on Bitcoin or cryptocurrency and you read an interesting article on Forbes, forward that article to them. Um, take uh, note of life events. If they talked about they've got a son or a daughter uh, graduating high school, going off to college. Not that you would know anything about that, Bobby. <laughs> um, but take note of those life events um, for follow-up conversations. It's, it's important uh, to start building that credibility up, which leads us really into our first topic, which is uh, getting in to that to that business without a direct referral, which is is basically impossible. You you must have some sort of direct referral into the business, whether it's uh, somebody that works directly for that company or work for someone um, or knows someone that works for that company. So, Bobby, let's let's turn it to you. Your last couple jobs, um, how did you get into those last two or three jobs? Well, let's talk about. Projects and jobs. So, yeah. uh, last big project, Bobby and Brian.com. 
obviously uh, you reached out and we started brainstorming and we put this together. My last paying gig from a work perspective, Dell EMC, was through a golf buddy who knew me well, never really worked together, but uh, at a random golf event at a bar said, hey, if you're ready to come back to work, I got a job on my team. Uh, and that's kind of that, uh, I would like to say that's probably that that solid brand that he was aware of. Um, started Sparkhound because of a relationship that I had with the president of the company and uh, reached out and took me to dinner and started asking questions and the rest of that's history as well and, and turned out to be really good things for both of us. So uh, that's that's 10 years almost, that's eight years of effort right there on how I got those those last three things going. Yeah, same is true for me. None of these um, none of these jobs, both present and past, uh, were because I submitted a job application on a company website and then crossed my fingers for a callback. It just it doesn't really work that way. Certainly at the level that most of our listeners are at. Not to say that if you're looking for your first job in the industry, you're not going to get anywhere with that because you probably will. But uh, having referrals directly to the business is going to be really important. Um, so we've got a few kind of. Uh, discussion points, um, important things to note around that. Um, when you are in that position to start looking for that kind of, let, let's use an example of, there's, let's say it's your dream job. Let's say your dream job or dream goal is to go work for Microsoft. If you know someone that works for Microsoft or you know someone that knows someone that works for Microsoft, it comes across really desperate to write a one paragraph note and attach your resume to it and say, hey, can you get me in? Can you connect me into this company? It just comes off really, really wrong. What you can do instead is set up a informational interview with somebody, even if it's somebody that knows somebody that works there. Bobby, if someone reached out to us that wanted to go work for Microsoft, we would know all the ins and the outs. We would know the people that you'd probably want to go talk to. And how long has it been? It's been uh, four years. years. Yeah, eight years for me. Eight years for you. Four years for me. Um, But we both still know the process, how to get in. So it's worth having that first informational interview. Don't just send that paragraph email, attaching your resume, crossing your fingers, hoping that it's going to slide through and and land on the right person's desk. That's a desperate approach. Yeah. I don't even think it has to be an informational interview. It can be a cup of coffee. Like that's right. Too often we're all frustrated by someone who calls you out of the blue and says, now I have this need. Um, Unfortunately, Brian, I did it to your brother in the last two weeks where uh, a family connection needed a copy of Office. And I reached out to Scott and said, hey, man, I hate to do this, but do you know how I could get a copy of Office and then not pay retail? And, of course, he immediately responded and signed me up for the Friends and Family Program. And uh, my dad has a new copy of Office on his laptop, new laptop. But, you know, that sucks for me to even let that slip. And, and I've talked to Scott in the last six months. It wasn't like it's been three or four years. But I hate when that ask, that next conversation is an ask of such. So go have some coffee. Just catch up. Learn some of those family life events. And then let it marinate for a couple of weeks. And then reach out and say, hey, I might be interested in getting a job with your company. Where would I begin? Do you mind if I buy you lunch? And maybe you give me some of your tips and tricks of the trade. Yeah. Well, I think... One, one important distinction about on the Scott front, and he'll want me to say this, is that y- you have earned equity with Scott over the past, you know, five, six years. So you going to Scott is not some empty cupboard uh, to where now 
you know, he owns all the equity in the relationship. It's been a good bi-directional relationship over the past true. six Very years. True. So, which is important. Like you need to think back to those things. Uh, I think listeners really need to think back to who are the people that you've built equity with. And if, if it's coming up to just a, you know, you can count them on one hand, be thinking of the things you could do to start building equity with uh, your network. Very good tip. Find the hiring manager um, via LinkedIn, through your network, go straight to them. Because, uh, Bobby, you and I have both been in the position to where we have hired and built teams, uh, large teams in some cases. We many times uh, have a recruiter that's working for us um, part-time or full-time. Their responsibility is to screen candidates so that we get the top of the, the cream of the crop, right? Now, if I that recruiter is gold on filling that position, typically it's like a bonus structure that they would be um, – bonused if and when they fill that job with a great candidate. So if I've, me as the manager receives a resume from someone and they were referred in from someone else or it looks interesting and I forward that on to the recruiter, you can guarantee that that recruiter is going to have that candidate, which should hopefully be you, at the top of their inbox, the top of their list to, forward, to, to connect with. So again, don't go right to the posting. Try to find the hiring manager through LinkedIn Try to find the recruiter that's in charge of that position. Sometimes it can be difficult, but this is where you should use your network with the aim of getting right to the person that's actually making the decision. Totally agree. Completely. Have a promised action. So let's say that, um, let's say that you want to prove out, I'm, look, I'm capable of this job. I have won deals in your line of work uh, for the kind of uh, application or hardware or software that you sell. Um, let me, can I tell you, can we go get a cup of coffee and can I, can I tell you about some of the wins and losses that I've had over the past two years? Have, have some sort of reason or interesting conversation that they might uh, hook on to. Um, and Bob, this is something I've, I've learned from you over the years is that if you can build in a good reason other than just let's meet to meet, if you can build in a good reason or a good follow-up, it can keep a conversation going for a long time. For sure. I, I can see where uh, a, a view of your work would be very helpful in this case. I can see where a proactive uh, plan to show them what you would do in the first 30, 60, 90 days would would be a positive way to set that, that promise of action in place. Every hiring manager is looking for a candidate that, that'll do, I would say, one or two things. But the biggest one is reduce their risk of a bad hire bar none. And so if you can show them that you're thinking about your 30, 60, 90 day plan before you even start the process, that would be very positive. The other thing they're looking to do is make sure that they're not going to have to spend a million hours with you to get you up to speed. So if you could say, look, I've been studying your product line, the things that you're selling, I have ideas on how I would sell that. Let me come show you what I know and have learned. The hiring manager is going to be very positive that he's not going to have to spend, he or she won't have to spend a ton of time with you. Two big things that all hiring managers are trying to eliminate, risk and amount of effort to get you up to speed, um, would both go a long way for you. Which really leads into knowing your strengths. If you are applying to a, a cloud company, show them or talk through with them what, what kind of revenue have you uh, have you built? How many new logos have you added? Know the interesting data points for them um, and then bring that conversation to them. Don't don't make them ask you that kind of stuff. If you've you know, built $20 million in business over the past five years, 
uh, and added 16 new customers to it, tell that story. They want to know, like they are, they're effectively looking at your resume and then translating it into their own business. What can this person do to me? Like you said, Bobby, they want to reduce risk in this hire. So they're, they're looking to take your resume and then translate it into something that could, that could potentially transform their team, help them with that transformation by talking through your, your strengths as it relates to their business. Uh, it's worth spending a lot of time on that because ultimately, if, if, if you're not doing it for them, they're having to do it in their head. If they're doing it in their head, they could get part of it wrong. And I've told that story in a PowerPoint that I've printed out, right? A little bit about my family, a little bit about me, a little bit about my work experience and all those successes, which continues to, to, to break down those walls between, maybe not walls, but barriers between hiring and not hiring so that they feel like they can be completely confident. The other thing that does is gives them ammunition to go to their boss when they're making the decision. So no, no boss is no hiring manager is going to hire someone without a direct referral for sure that they don't know uh, without at least asking their boss for a little bit of feedback. And if they have all this ammunition to take to their boss, again, you're eliminating risk for them. No doubt. Okay, that was all about getting in. Uh, with a direct referral or without a direct referral. We talked about how key that was. The second bit we're going to talk about is uh, showcasing a strong brand. This is really important, especially as you go along further in your career, obviously. Um, and we're looking at this from two perspectives. One is your resume, and then second is LinkedIn. So first, let's jump into your resume. Again, if we're talking about a, a job or a career with a company that's your dream job, it's going to account for... Um, I mean, do the math. It's literally, we're talking millions of dollars here. If this is something you intend to stick with for a, even a, a midterm timeline, isn't it worth finding a resume service, finding someone that you know that, that does this really well, uh, finding a local company, reaching out to us, finding a resume service that can actually deliver a really high quality resume or having someone, let's say you have a, friend or a family member that's an English major that knows grammar inside and out, that makes sure that your uh, grammar is sharp and you're articulate in your, uh, in your, and how you've positioned your resume, it's worth spending that extra time. Get it right. Yeah, I, I've used the service. Uh, I don't think my early on resumes were all that good. I think I've gone to kind of a, a two, two-prong approach. I have a, a, a one-pager uh, that I kind of keep up with, which is more like a bio. When I get asked to speak somewhere, they kind of get to know me on this one pager. It's it's lightweight. It does have my last few roles and jobs in them, but it is got a picture of me. It's got good color on it. It's something that I paid quite a bit of money to have someone build for me. And that's the one pager. That's the tell me about yourself. And then I've got the three page resume with all my accolades and the books I've written and whatever else I've accomplished in my life is in that professional resume that has been reviewed by many people. Uh, and I can assure you there's not a misspelled word. There's not a two types of fonts being used. It is, it's a professional resume. Love it. I, I think it's also important. This is getting a bit tactical. I think it's really important to make sure that your titles match. And I say this because I'm sure there are good candidates that I've passed on as a as a hiring manager because there wasn't alignment in the in the um, job title. So, for example, we I've got a great friend that owns a company, and that co- it's a two person shop, 
it's him and one other partner in the business, but he is the primary owner and effectively owns all the shares too. It's not like he's a small investor in it. His title for that company is account executive because he knows that if he needs to get back into the job force in six months, six years, 10 years, he, he, he can't come as a president of his own company to an account executive at another company. Because, of course, we would look at president and say, okay, if they're leaving as president here, are they really going to stick around at our company here? Or are they just going, is this really just a stepping stone for another job for them? If it's a stepping stone for a bigger job in that same company, that's one thing. But make sure that there's congruency in the titles of, of your past jobs and what you're seeking to get into today. We both have struggled with this a little bit. Yes. Uh, we've both been vice presidents of sales for um, big, big companies, multi-million dollar companies. Um, and we've been sales managers and we're both account executives today. I think we've learned and, and are able to tell those stories and, and why those shifts happened. But yeah, there's no way I would put owner on my resume today or president because it's just too big of a gap. No doubt. Now, for LinkedIn, uh, it's quickly becoming a uh, – I use LinkedIn two or three times a day. Um, there are things I love about LinkedIn. There are things I hate about LinkedIn. But you, you need a professional headshot or a nice professional photo on LinkedIn. I go with a family photo on LinkedIn just because I'm I'm not in that pursuit mode of looking for a new job. Um, and I it's a fun picture that my family and I took in Spain. So uh, I use that. It's a high-quality photo. It's worth, if, if you are very much in, in the growth stage of your career, having a nice professional headshot. You can do it for, what, probably less than 100 bucks, probably? Do a sit-down uh, and get a nice professional would take, photo? Anybody would take one of those for 50 bucks, And yep. probably there's a photographer in your subdivision, try an up-and-coming photographer, who would take that picture uh, for sure. Uh, i got to say, i got to talk about some of my pet peeves here. Uh, I don't care if you have a a family photo or a, a relaxed photo, as long as it's high quality and, and a professional shot. What I do hate is the Christmas party with you and your spouse and your spouse has now been cut out and you kind of see their shoulder there. That is so, it might, you might think that's the best picture of you ever, but it is not the best picture of you ever for LinkedIn. I also hate the cartoons uh, that I see on LinkedIn. I hate when there's, uh, I see, I, I have a friend who has Jabba the Hutt as their profile <laughs> picture. Uh, I've seen Chewbacca. You might love Star Wars people, but we're talking about your career and your future. If you want that on Facebook, that, that might be okay. Um, but I still don't think I'd have that on Facebook if I was in pursuit mode. People are going to see that. Uh, I can say I've not hired people for the level of casualness on their Facebook page and or the level of just terrible picture on LinkedIn. And I'd add to that too, look at the professional nature of your, your job listings as well. So for example, you're an account executive at company X. Is that what you do? Is that what your, is that what your job is? Is that what your, your next hiring manager is going to care about? Or do you, you know, do you lead a, a certain part of the business? Are you focused on a certain area? Be smart about how you express what job you're in today. Be specific about that. Unless you're intentionally not trying to be specific about it, but be thoughtful about how you approach this. Be also thoughtful about 
how you represent the description of that job as well in your in your profile too. It I think you have this weird thing with LinkedIn. On one hand, it's it's your professional outbound resume. On the other hand, it's how customers see you too. We've we've all had customers that will look on LinkedIn to see who they're meeting with. They'll look at our own profile. Does a customer want to see that you were 182% of your quota last year? I don't Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. That would maybe. probably not go over well. Or maybe a picture of your Audi R8 uh, as your profile picture. That <laughs> yes. probably won't make customers appreciate you very much. It's a fine line. I'm not saying it's. I'm not saying don't do either. I'm just saying be be intentional about it and have have some, you know, some emotional intelligence, some self awareness about what it is you're putting on LinkedIn. Because it matters, again, right or wrong. There's things to love about LinkedIn. There's things to hate about LinkedIn. But be thoughtful about how you approach it. Finally, prime the pump. I think this is, I hope this is the biggest takeaway. If you're early stage career or mid-stage in your career, uh, I hope this is your biggest takeaway. This isn't about necessarily getting the interview at your dream job, although it could be. If, if, if you are in a position, uh, whether it's uh, financially or whatever reason, to where you have to be working um, if something were to happen in your current company, right? God forbid something happens in your current company, you're let go, you have to leave, something happens to that business. You you need to have a pump primed if, you, if that's required of you financially. So if you have, if you're, let's say, let's use the example of you, you're, you're cut loose from your job, you're not performing or the company just is struggling and they do some layoffs. You don't want to be in a position to where you are making calls on a Monday morning after getting let go on a Friday and you have no prospects lined up. You have no conversations going. This is a really, really tough balance, but it's something that if you're, again, if you're mid-stage, early stage in your career, you should be thinking about and working on. But you need to start having, and I use the word informational interviews, but I think, Bobby, you're right. It's maybe a little bit too formal. It's really having a cup of coffee with people that you like and respect, people that you may be a, a peer with in the industry, Maybe it's a company that you aspire to work for. Maybe it's somebody in your ecosystem. And that, that just means, for those not familiar with that term, just means uh, you know a partner of a major vendor. But you, you need to have conversations going with these people. It doesn't have to be about a job today. It just have a conversation going with people. I, I completely agree. And I, I, I'm trying to do this more and more. Uh, I wrote our article on Call 10. I try and stay in touch with people both for sales and both just for this priming the pump reason. I try to the people that I really respect. I try to take to lunch on a on at least every six month basis, especially managers and other positions that, it, God forbid, something happened that I think I could pick the ball up and start running again for them. And I I try to ask them intriguing questions. I try to share them share with them intriguing things. It's not just a um, jolly type lunch. There's a tactic that's going on when I'm doing that for sure, no question. But the key to this is that you have a strategy along the way. So a little, I guess probably a little bit too much behind the curtains here. I today still have a note uh, in electronic form of my number one goal if I happen to leave this this job. Uh, that happens to be early retirement. But I also have the next company that I would be willing to go to work for. And the, there's a number one and then there's like three other options. And I have actively been talking to and pursuing conversations with people in those companies and they're strategic they're not i'm not asking for a job today i'm not looking for a job today 
if my boss is listening, I'm not going anywhere. But the key is that you, if you're not proactively doing it, you're going to be blindsided when the when the worst case scenario happens. So be be working on it, be strategic, and uh, don't take it for granted. And and you'll know this is working well. It, well, let me say two things. I completely agree. You need to be when you request that lunch with a peer. That let's say, good example is when I was at Microsoft. There was a good friend that worked at Microsoft too. He left to go to one of Microsoft's competitors. It was an interesting company. Still is a very interesting company. Um, and I just I took him to lunch and I didn't say I want to go interview and I want to go work for your company. It was to your point, Bobby. It was about just hey, isn't this an interesting industry? Because we were we were in the same exact kind of subsector of of our respective companies, isn't this an interesting business? Let's talk about what's working. Let's talk about what's not working. It was it was a thoughtful, interesting conversation, but again, it was a prime pump for me if I needed it because you'll know this is working if you're turning down job opportunities um, that you aren't even asking for. Because again, it's going to come back to not you applying on a job posting site. It's going to be your network or people that you know that know people that are at these jobs. Yeah, and that's not like turning down an official offer. That's right. someone saying, hey, man, would you be interested in meeting my boss? He's got a couple open headcount. Hey, man, have you ever thought about joining our company? Those sorts of conversations will definitely let you know that this Prime the Pump is working for you. Excellent. So, Bobby, today we've talked about uh, how to get that interview at your dream job or just keeping that that, uh, pump primed. On next week's episode, we're going to talk about how to nail that interview at your GM job. Perfect. As always, give us more questions. Give us more feedback. These listener choice episodes are coming straight from you guys. We love doing them. Always remember, average is the enemy. Average sucks. And until next week, thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show with Bobby and Brian. Subscribe to their email list by going to bobbyandbrian.com and follow them on Twitter at Bobby Brian Sales.